Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm going to talk about why hiring expensive professionals can and most oftentimes actually saves you a lot of money or even makes you money. And uh, this is a conversation that I had recently with a newer investor um, who's in my local market. He's trying to determine whether or not he wanted to hire property management, which, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty simplified decision for a lot of folks where a lot of people are just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm either working with a management company or I'm not. But he was on the fence and trying to figure out whether or not it made sense for him to do so. Um, he all, he was also a younger, I mean, he is a younger guy. And, you know, I think that that also plays a role in the advice that I gave. And I'm going to try and outline what I, what I tried to tell him, right? The, and, and discuss the thought process behind the advice that I gave him, which applies both to that specific decision of whether or not you work with a management company, but also applies to all kinds of different scenarios, whether that's working with a mortgage broker, whether that's working with, a you know, an experienced GC or something, whether that's working with, Really anybody, right? Any vendor, any partner, et cetera. I think that this thought process is very helpful to just work through when you make these types of decisions. So he owns, I believe, like 18, 20 units or something like that. Um, he's in his early 20s, very successful. He's on the right path, doing all the right things. And he just couldn't wrap his head around paying a management company. And he's used to doing it himself. Now, Everyone who's listening to this has probably heard the stereotypical advice. Well, you hire a management company so that you buy your time back and then you go spend that time doing something else that produces more revenue and makes you more money. Yes, that is the very high level, you know, reason to do that. And that's what I, you know, of course I told them that, but I also went a little bit deeper because it's important to think about this in a different way as well. If you're somebody who is, you know, managing your own property, right? Maybe you have 20 units or 50 units or 30 units or five units, doesn't matter. You're in a marketplace, you're managing your own property. There are management companies in that market that manage far more property than you manage and know that market better than you do and are better at property management than you are and have better connections in the marketplace than you have because they have scale, because they have the deep vendor relationships, the deep relationships in that market. They're leasing apartments every single day. They are literally on the front lines on a daily basis, doing all of the things that you think that you could do better by managing it yourself, or at least eight to 10% better. I think that that is such a silly concept. I mean, even just like, just listen to even saying that out loud. Do you think that you would be better at management than the company that does it at scale every single day with a staff and has long relationships on a longer track record doing it? I mean, probably not, right? Common sense would say no, unless you have some incredibly specialized approach to management that requires you to be the only one that does it. Unless that's the case, the answer is probably no. And do you think that the management company would be 8 to 10% better at doing it than you would be? Now, yeah, maybe this is when you start to say, well, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe not. I can see, I can see getting some pushback there. But let's also attack this another way. And this is especially for folks that are either A, new to the business, or B, younger. And I hate to just say younger. I mean, this is just a reality. Um, but, and I'm going to explain it because this is my, this was my experience when I got in the business. Very, very severe experience in this where when you're new or you're getting into the business, you are a mark. People don't have your best interest in mind. Vendors don't have your best interest in mind. Partners don't have your best interest in mind. 
And I'll tell you who absolutely does not, GCs and subs. So it is so much, you're protecting your ass so significantly by just putting a layer of professionalism between you and those people. I would have saved and made so much more money on my first you know, 7, 10, 15 deals. I just embraced working with a property management company, specifically one that also interfaced with contractors and vendors when doing renovations. And yeah, they're going to charge you to do that. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a markup. Yeah, maybe you don't have the level of control that you feel that you need and that makes you feel a warm and fuzzy inside. But if you're a younger person, if you're newer to the business, if you don't understand construction, if you don't understand how to have those conversations, you're just going to get screwed. Like, I don't like, there's no other way to really put that. And a lot of people are like, well, you need to manage it yourself so that you know how to tell if a manager is doing a good job or so you know how to do it. Let me tell you something. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You just get the referrals to the best management companies and you work with them and you watch them how they do it. And then you start to develop a sense of how it's done. But no, doing it yourself and getting and just getting railroaded by everybody in the marketplace and losing money and under renting and overpaying for you know, renovation work and trying to fumble through an eviction and trying to, you know, find the maintenance guy that can go out there and fix the water heater while your tenant's screaming at you. None of that makes any sense. And this is basically exactly what I told this individual who immediately went and hired a management company after this because he's like, yeah, all of that makes sense. And this happened to me countless times. Like when you're, you know, again, I just keep saying younger, but it doesn't necessarily have to be an age thing. It's just if you're a trusting green person and you and you you don't you haven't developed the savviness to navigate the game, you're just gonna put yourself in a lot of tricky spots. So to wrap up that point, and then I'm going to use just one more example before I round out this episode, you know, the people that are in the trenches doing the work every single day are just going to do, are they going to be better at it than you are, right? And this is, again, massive asterisk. There are tons of awful management companies. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the ones that have their head on straight. Um, they're just going to be a lot better at it than you will be at it. And they will be to a margin that probably exceeds what their what their cost is. So Yeah. You got to pay a management company. That's part of the game. You know, that, that is what it is. But not only are you just buying your time back, they're probably going to produce at a level that allows them to pay for themselves either completely or significantly. Let's say you generate, I don't know, 5% more income on an annual basis by working with a management company and they save you 5% on turns and 5% on your maintenance and, you know, whatever, right? You just made it up. There you go. Now you're net equal, right? So it's important to think about it through that lens, right? And I don't think a lot of people do. I think they just assume that the only benefit to working with a management company or a vendor is to buy their time back. And people forget that oftentimes these people are pros and do a better job. That's one example. Second example I'm going to share, because this is another one that I see most people just don't get at all, is you should be working with a mortgage broker. Like this is another, uh, it's funny, I was had the same conversation with the same guy, Um you know, we were just having coffee and he was talking about, yeah, you know, he has a deal under contract, sizable deal for what he's done, you know, uh, probably going to be an, a, a loan balance over a million bucks. And he's like, yeah, I contacted these three banks. Like, do you have any banks that you know are lending? And the first thing I said to him was, why are you the one contacting the banks? Why aren't you working with a mortgage broker? And he was like, well, they charge 1%. And that's like, a, you know, I could just, I figured I would just do it myself. And, and again, we all go through this. Anyone who's in business, whether it's real estate or any other business, oftentimes has to work incredibly hard to, to just unfuck up their mindset, <laughs> to get out of that absurd scarcity mindset where you feel anytime money's going out the door, that it's a cost. People forget that money going out the door can be an expense, right? Or excuse me, not an expense. It's not what I'm trying to say, an investment. 
So let's think about what happens when you hire a mortgage broker. A good one. Again, we're all assuming that these are good vendors, right? You hire a mortgage broker who can take it out to 50 banks in the local area. So do you think you know 50 banks? Do you know the VPs of lending at 50 banks? Do you know the marketplace in terms of who's lending right now? Do you know which banks are, are looking to place capital? Do you know which ones are pulling back? Do you know which ones are being more aggressive with their terms right now? Do you know which VPs of lenders or VPs of lending at each of, each of these individual banks has a real appetite for that specific type of deal? Do you think that a bank is going to go bend over backwards as much to please you as they would a mortgage broker who has the potential to bring them handfuls of deals and many, many millions of dollars worth of business? Who do you think they want to please more? You or that or the broker? Of course, it's the broker. They're going to want to do right by the broker. They're going to get much more competitive. Who do you think knows how to navigate the debt process, both the process of reaching out and actually presenting the deal? but also navigating through the actual escrow process, closing process. When things go wrong right during escrow, who do you think has more experience and can provide you better advice or can give you any advice at all on how to navigate that situation? Whether it's, oh, you know, we ran into this little rental problem, let's escrow some funds, or there's some pushback in the personal financial statement because of this reason, how do we navigate this with the bank? Do you think it would be helpful to have somebody in your corner? Of course. The answer to all of this is obviously, obviously, obviously. But so why do we, and because again, it's a constant muscle that we have to flex. Why do we, why, why don't we realize that, right? You know, it, it's insane when you voice it all out loud to think about how absurd it is to be like, oh no, I don't care about any of that. I just want to save the 1%. That's absurd. That's just crazy. And then you think, yeah, it costs, it costs 1%, an additional 1% to close, right? And this is just standard loan broker fee. Maybe it's a little bit more for, you know, this broker, a little bit less for that broker, whatever. This is just standard terminology kind of standard pricing in the industry. Do you think that the terms you get, right? If we were to boil it down to mathematical facts, do you think you're going to get better terms from, you know, from a, from a lender if you take it out to 50 lenders or five? And do you think that the terms that that bank's going to offer that mortgage broker in exchange for your business is going to be more competitive or less competitive than if they were just doing it directly with you? The answer is, of course, more. You're going to get a better rate. You're going to get better... Uh, interest, you know, lengthier interest only periods. You're going to get a more flexible prepayment schedule. You're probably going to, there's probably going to be some terminology in there that's a little bit more favorable. Maybe they'll lend on more of the construction. All of that stuff is actually very, you can, you can tactically um, measure the savings that result in that. But we just feel like we could do it ourselves and we don't like the idea of other people making money. If there's one thing that you got to, you, that you, you know, I implore everybody listening to do it's to, it's to think about where you're stepping over dollars to save pennies. Cause this is just a perfect definition of doing that. And again, this applies to so many different things, right? I knew a guy who did his own evictions. Uh, he was like, he, he managed like 50 units. He was an older guy and he would still handle and, and go to the court, you know, file all the paperwork, go to the courthouse, do all of his own evictions. Because he didn't want to pay somebody like 350, 400 bucks to handle it, 500 bucks, whatever it is. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, actually, like, what in the world are you doing? Like, who do you think is going to be better at handling the eviction process? You, the guy that does one every couple of years, or the guy that has a team that does it every single day in that market? Who do you think is more likely to make a mistake in the paperwork? Who do you think is more likely to navigate that process effectively? Who do you think, you know, is just, it's just, I don't even have to go down all the lists. It's so obvious. It's crazy. 
Um, but again, people just don't do it, right? So I, this is something I'm really passionate about, um, as you can tell, because especially the management piece of it, because you want to, when you are getting into this business, so much of it is just not being taken advantage of. So much of it is just not getting screwed over. So much of it is protecting your money and protecting your downside and not losing money, not spewing money out the back door for no reason. And uh, and it's really hard to it's really hard to avoid doing that. And the easiest way to avoid doing that is to bring in great folks that you can work with as soon as you possibly can and just pay them whatever the hell they want to get paid. Because if not, you're going to get screwed. I didn't even mention on the on the on the on the uh, when I was talking about mortgage brokerages, like who do you think can help you read the loan docs? Like who do you think can tell you, hey, that's a loan covenant that makes no sense? All of that stuff is negotiable with a bank. And oftentimes there's loan terms, covenants, whatever that are just ridiculous, right? That don't make any sense. And you need to have somebody in your corner that you can bounce that off of so that you don't get screwed. Um, I know that this episode won't get played as much as all of the other episodes in the podcast, but like this is one I think, you know, if you listen to this, really internalize this, please. If this is not already a mindset that you have very, you know, very successfully adopted. But uh, in any event, if you felt like you learned something, if you got some value out of this episode, please leave the podcast a rating and review. This helps to get noticed by more folks. And um, thanks again for listening. As always, you guys are the best and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. If you learned something new during the show, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, family member, or business partner, or just leaving a rating and review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Catch you next week.